It's the morning after the night before on The Final Word Daily with Adam Cohens and Jeff Lemon looking at the England-New Zealand Test match at Lords, which ended in a stalemate, which Jeff Lemon's going to tell you all about in the space of 30 seconds. On day five, well, uh, New Zealand kind of went for it. Ross Taylor whacked a few. Tom Latham was the anchor. Uh, Henry Nichols whacked a couple as well. They set uh, England a chase of 273 in more than two sessions. 75 overs England had at their disposal, and England elected not to go for it. Just blocked it out, Sibley doing Sibley things. Neil <laughs> Wagner kept muscling the ball down right until the end, but it ended up as a draw. Uh, it's a nil all going into the next test. Yeah, it was a really interesting afternoon as it sort of exposed, not exposed, it's the wrong word, it it opened itself up to a lot of different uh, people's perspectives on the game. So (laughs) I I absolutely appreciate that there's going to be a cohort of people who think this is gutless cricket and think that the way that England conducted themselves wasn't in keeping with the the spirit of the afternoon. I think that's a valid point, especially Mike Atherton wrote about this in his uh, Times column or Times report from yesterday. I also see the other side of it that inexperienced England batting lineup. had they gone for it, would have they just been exposed? themselves to uh, to a loss on the final afternoon which was avoidable uh, Joe Root spoke to that saying they were cha- more challenging batting conditions than, than met the eye it was quite slow out there so it's hard to put the foot mm-hmm. down and of course it's the top class bowling attack that New Zealand have got here uh, on this tour so uh, it was difficult to kind of get a read on Jeff but yeah everyone's had an opinion on it. I kind of enjoyed the way that people were proving their cricket credentials with their opinions. You know, it's very much like, have you heard of this indie band that you, that I've heard of that you haven't? <laughs> because the the initial stuff was saying, oh, you should have gone for the win. And then there was this sort of pushback from other people saying, well, if you really understood how cricket works, man, then you would know, man, that you don't do that because, because of these factors and because of this and fifth day pitch and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, b- both of the arguments have something for them. But the, the thing that really gave me the squirts was this kind of idea that that, you know you mentioned it briefly that because this England team wasn't experienced enough those players couldn't go for a win that that is nonsense if if they've been picked in a test team they have to be good enough to play international cricket and that would include doing things like scoring runs in in the fourth innings so I I thought that that excuse was sounded like a pretty gutless excuse, um, but I didn't think it was necessarily gutless not to go for a win. Uh, it was just conservative and pretty boring. Yeah, in favour of going for it, I suppose, where it was a fifth-day pitch, but not really a fifth-day pitch. So much cricket was lost, yeah. uh, not only on the washout, but also, I think, was it like nearly 35 overs or something like that across the test match in overs not bowled? So it didn't look like a mm-hmm. fifth-day pitch. It wasn't as though they were dealing with a spinner ragging it out of the rough. Mitchell Santner doesn't play that role anyway at the best of times. Mm-hmm. He's a more holding spinner. So they probably could have um, made a decision early on, but what England didn't have, I suppose, when people look at the, the relative experience of the lineup, is they didn't have Josh Butler and they didn't have... Ben Stokes, and they didn't have Chris Wokes, by the way. I think that's lost in the conversation. Had those three guys been there, they, they might have set things up a little bit differently. But, uh, you know, Dan Lawrence, for example, he might be the most adept in the top six at going for it, but he didn't even get a bat because they, they only lost three wickets on, on the way to uh, 170 mm. when they shook hands after 70 overs at the end of the final hour. So, yeah, the guy who might have been best suited to it, I mean, they would have needed to have sent him in at number three, possibly. That, that might have been one, uh, one uh, way of engineering a, a crack in the final session because Burns mm. and 
sensibly, Jeff. I mean, they had to play the way they had to play early on because the new ball threat was still there and, and it was such a long time. It wasn't as though they were chasing it down in 40 overs. I mean, 75 overs, you have mm. to play conservatively and get through the first hour. The problem was they didn't have the, the next gear to shift into. Certainly not Dom Sibley, who never really showed any intent. He just wanted to bat all day. And, and again, and I, yeah. can kind of see, I can kind of see that as well. I see why he'd want to um, play himself into some form and, and do what he does best, which is occupy the crease for hour after hour, which at its best can be quite effective for England. But I think that's the issue for England is that, look, Rory Burns is not a, a, a fast stroke maker most of the time, but he does have a couple of gears. You know, he can shift his approach. Dom Sibley doesn't. He either doesn't have the ability or he doesn't have the confidence to do it. And I, mm. I cast my mind back to the 100 that he made last summer where after batting for hours and hours and hours, as soon as he tried, he, at one stage he went, okay, I've got 100, I'm going to play a big shot. And he immediately got out. <laughs> I reckon something like that stays in his mind that where he goes, I can't attack. I'm not an attacking player. I cannot do it. And so he didn't need to be smashing fours and sixes but he just needed to be trying to hit the gaps better and um, when you need three and a half and over I felt like they should have had a period of 20 overs or so of just going a bit more positively at it to see where they ended up at least Uh, and that's what didn't happen that's what wasn't there you know shutting up shop after um, had they found themselves in a more difficult position would have been understandable but not bothering to go for it when you send in Sibley to open you're almost saying from the outset we're not going to bother to chase this because unless he gets out early you cannot chase it and he ends up at a strike rate of 20 something through the test innings which kills it so he's got the ability to make sure that you don't lose the game which which he did with his uh, 60 not out but he has the ability to ensure that you cannot win the game, and that's what he did. Yeah, I think longer term that's going to become a, a, a challenge for Sibley as far as his international longevity is concerned because we know he can he can do the first bit. We've seen him do it a number of times mm. for England, and I mentioned it before, at its best when players around him are scoring heavily, it isn't much of an issue. Uh, but a day like yesterday when he needed to be the one uh, showing some intent, it, it didn't look like he had that next yeah. bit that you needed. And sure, he was coming in off a pair. And look, I wouldn't say his spot's in jeopardy, but a broken finger meant that he missed five or six weeks of county cricket. Like, he's only just kind of getting back in the groove mm. of things now. So, yeah, a strange way for it to peter out. Um, Shield Berry was saying that, you know, uh, that the, he competed to the victory test matches in, in 1945. There was an expectation that the players would go about it a certain way. And this wasn't in keeping with that. That is to say, had they been been thinking about entertainment alone, of course they would have gone for it, but they're looking at the bigger picture. Jay Root flagged the fact that they can win the series next week. Whilst that's true, uh, I think in a way I'm gratified by the fact that um, uh, the, 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 the broader conversation was, well, there's no World Test Championship points at stake. I actually think that's kind of a good thing, that people are saying mm. that WTC tests mean more. Yep. I'm not saying that, um, that, they, that they aren't a unique one-off event in their own right. Everyone loves a test match, irrespective of the circumstances but um, it, it feels good that even after two years people are already thinking about WTC test matches as being more uh, more meaningful yeah. and again that, I feel well, it's feel sacrilegious saying it that way but it's also kind of a good thing too that there is this framework around test cricket now including a point structure which we get yeah. back into after the final next month. There, there is an understanding that there's something additional at stake you know there's more of an argument for playing conservatively which uh, there isn't necessarily in this case and and you know I think 
a draw in itself is a, a worthy thing to aim for when you can't win the test match. But I think when you have an opportunity to win a test match and you choose not to bother, you choose not to take a risk, that, that's when it um, starts to, to get up the nose. So the, in, the other side of that is that New Zealand were so admirable in what they did. Came out yeah. in the morning, pushed on, went for it quickly. Um, Ross Taylor hit a couple of big sixes, um, had, had enough of a swing to get themselves enough in front. And then they got rained off before the lunch break, but they said, well, bugger it, that's enough. Um, mm. they, they're not going to... Uh, having 270 in the bank is pretty handy on, on the last day of a match, and so we're going to give ourselves the best chance to, to bowl England out, and uh, I think they should be applauded for that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I really misread that. When we spoke at Stumps on... must have been Stumps Day 4, Jeff. I thought, well, New Zealand have a player like Latham who's in and Ross Taylor who's coming um, who isn't in particularly great nick. Well, why wouldn't they let those guys bat all day and, and look at the bigger picture mm. with the final against India coming up in two weekends' time? But they went, no, no, stuff it. We want to win a test at Lords, And if it means declaring uh, a fraction prematurely compared to what we thought, losing those few overs before lunch, they're like, oh, well, stuff it. We're, we're giving ourselves mm-hmm. two sessions to bowl them out and uh, if it means risking a loss to win, well, so be it. So, yeah, it was a commendable performance from them. It reminded me of many declarations in the 90s where teams were more conditioned to throwing up a sort of high 200s rather than what we Mm -hmm. see these days post, I suppose, the T20 revolution where sides aren't that comfortable leaving any fewer than about 350, 380 even. And I suppose Brisbane will live long in the memory for a team like Australia in that that frame. But uh, nonetheless, I think uh, Williamson's credentials as a captain have been... Enhanced once again. It's just a shame that uh, that there wasn't enough in it for, from England's perspective uh, for them to have a ding dong battle all the way to the finish line because New Zealand deserved that. And, and the other part of that was at the other end of the day when Williamson could have shaken hands with an hour to go, but yeah. he elected to keep going because he said, well, we've got 15 overs left. Um, Neil Wagner had knocked over Joe Root. He was like, okay, if we get a couple more, we could run through them. Some panic could go through the ranks. We might win in 15 overs. And so they kept going. And, and I thought that was uh, you know, particularly admirable to... to to not give up on the win you know it's it's odd when you listen to commentary particularly how many cricketers seem to think that cricketers don't want to play cricket they're all saying oh these guys up in the balcony they won't want to be called into bat next well <laughs> I mean a player like Bracey on debut he probably does want to go and bat because uh, he'd want to be out there in the middle so I don't understand the, the sort of idea that you should try to call <laughs> off the match at the earliest possible instance because we've seen collapses happen in very quick time Oh, you're absolutely right, but but I also think that cricketers love nothing more than not playing cricket. I mean, I, I know from yes. my perspective, uh, rained out days were the best kind of days. I mean, that's obviously wrong uh, and, and completely defeats the purpose, but that's how we're hardwired, regrettably. Uh, Jeff, in mm. terms of players of the day, um, there's a few to choose from. Uh, we should note that Ollie Robinson picked up seven wickets for the match, made 42 mm-hmm. with the bat. He was given the responsibility of bowling at the start of play yesterday instead of James Anderson, which I didn't expect. I thought uh, there's a bit of humidity in the air. I thought they'd give the ball to Jimmy, who mm-hmm. only bowled four overs before for lunch and Robinson picked up another wicket uh, on the way through so a fine debut however he has been uh, already omitted uh, from the second test the ECB said that after the first test they'd make a statement about what they were going to do with Robinson after uh, his tweet surfaced on, on afternoon one so he's missing Edgbaston mm-hmm. he's out of the bubble and, and the investigation continues in short so some have read that as oh he's being cancelled mm-hmm. out of test cricket uh, it's all over for Robinson uh, the woke brigade have got him and all the rest of it well that's clearly not true because because all they've said is he's missing next week. There's been no broader statement mm. about his, his career going into the future. And, I mean, does anyone really think that Ollie Robinson won't be playing the first test match at the Gabba in six months' time? I mean, of course he will be. Well, I, I, I th- 
I suppose um, the it, it, it's it's this tricky situation where you say is you know how responsible do you hold someone for something that they did years and years ago? But it's not about when they did it; it's about when that thing reaches the public eye. When, yeah. when the message arrives is when the message has its effect. It doesn't matter how long ago it was. Um, so there'd, there'd also understandably be a point of caution from the ECB of wanting to find out if there's anything else out there. Because exactly. If this, if this stuff was unearthed, who knows? Um, they, they can't, they absolutely, it was untenable to not take any action against him. It's untenable to say, oh, well, he was young and silly at the time and so it just doesn't matter now. Something had to be done in order to show people who were affected by it that something had been done i mean it's it's it's, symbolism is important sometimes there's the reason why symbols are powerful within a society um so they had to take action on it they've done the right thing in the circumstances which is to stand him down until they can um, at least have a completely clear idea of everything that he's been up to previously and, and whether there'll be anything else come out of the shadows. Jeff, let's take a quick break on the final word daily for Woodstock Cricket. We'll see a bit about their bats and we'll be back with the Hall of Fame. Woodstock Cricket, home of the finest handmade cricket bats and soft goods. Visit either our showroom or workshop and experience the magic for yourselves. For bookings, contact info at woodstockcricket.co.uk. It's the final word daily after the draw at Lords. We have a Hall of Fame uh, member mm-hmm. to induct or, or, or an event to induct yep. thanks to Woodstock Cricket. Uh, I was there yesterday. So in some respects, being there means you're less privy to uh, what might be picked up on by the broadcast for Hall of Fame purposes. I was, uh, for the first time, Jeff, in seven years, I went to the cricket as a spectator and enjoyed huh. uh, hospitality through the afternoon, which was a delight. But uh, you might have a better handle on what was going on. Yeah, well, I, before we get to that, I think I should, cast back to player of the day because I want to put Neil Wagner in oh. there. Um, oh, sorry. I've brushed over him, have I? Let's do it. For, for, well, for what I foreshadowed earlier, the fact that, you know, right through into the last hour of the day, he wasn't thinking, I need to conserve my energy for a, a test in three days' time. He was thinking, how do I produce one of these Neil Wagner <laughs> fourth inning spells and run through England and win this test match? And when he nailed Joe Root, it was with an absolute beauty. And it was the fact that that whole late spell from Wagner was pitched up he didn't do his usual Mm. bounce of barrage he pitched the ball up he got it swinging he got it uh the ones that didn't swing just angling across the right handers and going away from the outside edge others swinging into the pads he got root he nearly had a couple of other lbws that were just a bit too high or just going down Um, and it was a prodigious spell a prodigious effort from a cricketer who always puts in but uh, the fact that it was in that last hour of the day in a match that seemed to go on and he still wanted it i just loved that yeah, absolutely right to say that. I think that the way that New Zealand set up their attack when Trent Bolt's back in the mix will be really interesting because, I mean, I just don't see them not playing a spinner against India. So mm. something's going to play. So with that in mind, I, I, I can't work out who they'll omit. Yeah. I mean... It, Surely they have to play a better spinner, though. I mean, Satna, he had his finger cut open on day five. He was bleeding constantly and staunching the blood on his trousers. He couldn't grip the ball. It kept floating up out of his hand in huge full tosses. He's not a great bowler anyway, but if he's if he's hampered and bowling the way he is, like, surely they've got to have a spinner who is more likely to take wickets given Santner's record over a long period of time. Or I suppose on the other side of the equation there that Kane Williamson's permitted to bowl again. His action was cleared in 2019. I'm not saying he's a world beater, but if they're looking for a holding bowler and they want to get four quicks in when Bolt's around, mm. that, that might be the other way they, they, they arrive at this with, uh, 
with Watling already kind of playing up the order as a number six. I mean, there, there are a couple of different combinations they've got, but yeah, it's a great problem to have that Wagner, Jameson, uh, Bolt and Southey will all be presumably available for selection uh, in the final mm-hmm. against India. Yeah, yeah, and Tim Southey, you know, coming off a vintage test match performance yeah. as well. For, for Hall of Fame, uh, Poncho Guy has to get a mention. <laughs> you would have yes. picked him up on the on the big screen because I've really I've really seen a reaction from a crowd to one person in the audience um, as as full throated as that. Yeah, it was wonderful. So I think there were 6,000 people there yesterday or something like that. And because they're spread around, it makes, you know, it's, it's good. We saw it at the MCG, Jeff, uh, late last year that 30,000 people in the G uh, on a day, like at a football game, sounds not very good because they're all in certain pockets of the ground. But at a test match when they were all forced to be spread for COVID reasons, they make quite a quite a lot of noise. And the same applied to Lords yesterday, I thought. So um, when Poncho Guy came up on the screen and the MCC, Poncho ran the wrong way. Uh, I mean, it, everyone could see what was happening apart from him. It mm-hmm. was beautiful beautiful stuff so uh, yes he, he'd be a worthy member of our hall of fame so if you haven't seen it first he had his poncho on backwards then he had it take off then he was trying to get it on again just this incredible process that it was like <laughs> several minutes of, of interpretive dance almost before he finally got through the right way and when he popped through the right way literally the whole ground applauded him um it, it was a beautiful beautiful thing so and aside from that i, I think my other hall of fame nomination would be that in the last 20 minutes or so of the day when when nothing much was happening you could tell from the commentary because instead of talking about the test match they were talking about the Shawshank Redemption um, and also <laughs> and, and also the movie Cocktail uh, and there was a long debate between I think Rob Key and Simon Dool about whether Andy Dufresne's poster would have been blowing around in the wind from the tunnel and thus whether it was a plausible plot device <laughs> um, <laughs> so various theories on physics is, uh, and laminar flow um, of air doesn't and so that really- it doesn't that really it. date those two fantastic commentators who are both great blokes <laughs> as well that they are such 90s 2000 players that their mm-hmm. best reference point for films is Shawshank Redemption as yep. is with so many yep. professional sports people over the years I love it beautiful little uh, every, I'm going to have to go back and find athlete, the commentary every, every male athlete for about 20 years uh, said the Shawshank Redemption oh, it's compulsory. is his favourite film N- no question whether or not compulsory. he'd seen it <laughs> <laughs> No, fantastic. Okay, so uh, Shawshank Redemption in the Hall of Fame and Poncho Guy, that'll suit me down to the ground. Jeff, uh, let's put a full stop on the final word daily for the first test match. Uh, We'll be back with our weekly show, our long-form show. If you're new to what we do, we make two long programs a week. Uh, The one tomorrow will be with Vidushina Hantaraja talking not only about this test match and what's going on with Ollie Robinson, but the England test team more broadly. And then we'll be back with story time on Saturday between times. I'll be at Edgbaston for the second test match. Cannot wait to get to Birmingham in a couple of days. Uh, and thanks for your feedback through the week. This has been uh, the Final Word Daily. Talk through the week. Bye.